If you've been wishing, hoping, and dreaming about taking your business from six figures to multi-six figures or multi-six figures to seven figures, then I wanna make sure you get our new free guide, the multi-six and seven-figure scaling roadmap. Inside the guide, I pulled back the curtains and I shared all the strategies that I used and they can help you too. First, they can help you triple your monthly sales. I shared proven strategies with you that led to a 3X increase in my monthly sales. Second, I show you exactly how to crush your limiting beliefs. Say goodbye to doubts like, you can't charge that much and there aren't enough ideal clients for you too. Third, how to only work with ideal clients. I show you how to become the go-to expert and attract only the perfect clients and referrals. And finally, I show you how to quantum leap to $20,000 plus every single month. I show you exactly how to take a quantum leap from 8,000 per month, for example, to 20,000 a month. You can absolutely break through your upper limit barrier and enjoy five and six figure months every single month. Make 2024 your dream come true year by downloading your free guide today. Just click the link in the show notes below. Welcome to Double Your Sales Now, your resources to selling strategies, tips, and best practices to take your performance to the next level. There's no reason you can't double your sales. So let's get to it with your sales coach, Ursula Menches. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Double Your Sales Now, where you learn all the tips, mindset shifts, tools, and strategies to two times your niche, your sales in any niche. I'm your host, Ursula Menches. And I can't wait to dive into today's show. You guys know I love this. I love doing the show. And I have the very cool, very amazing John Golden here with me today. He's fun. He's an entrepreneur. He's got a lot to share. And he's got some great tools for us. So, John, welcome to Double Your Sales Now. Yeah, listen, thank you, Ursula. That's a great introduction. I hope I can live up to it now. (laughs) Oh, yes. No pressure, right? Well, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a great conversation. Before I tell you about John, though, I just want to thank you. I know we have listeners all over the world in more than 50 countries. We love hearing from you. So email me anytime at Ursula, U-R-S-U-L-A at salescoachnow.com. Definitely go to iTunes and leave us a review if you haven't yet. And if you haven't gotten our free gift, go to salescoachnow.com forward slash gift, six secrets to doubling your sales. It's a PDF. It's simple. It's easy to download. Hopefully it'll give you a little boost in your sales. And I want to thank our sponsor. We have a great sponsor again, thedancinghouse.com. She's one of our clients. She's one of our sales campers. And here's what Melissa Huber has to say. She says, taking care of ourselves is key to taking care of our world. However, it's more and more difficult to find the time to get to the yoga studio or a gym. And, you know, you don't always like being surrounded by strangers when we're working out, right? So we could work out at home, but it's nearly impossible to stay motivated. And let's be honest, searching for great video options on YouTube might take a lot of time and have you giving up before you get your shoes on. So good news, TDH, and that's The Dancing House, a virtual experience has got you covered. Experience a class setting virtually on your terms. Experience yoga, boogie fit dance class, fitness, and even ballet simply by law logging into your account. You'll have the opportunity to ask questions and receive personalized answers and be part of a fun, supportive environment. Here's what's really cool. I actually did the ballet and it was easy. I wanted to learn ballet when I was a kid and it didn't happen. So I tried the ballet class. I'm going to go back in. So go to thedancinghouse.com and it starts at just $25 a month. But here's what's cool. You can check it out for free and you don't even have to put your credit card in. I tried that. It was really easy. So go to dancinghouse.com. Give it a try. Thank you, Melissa Huber with TDH for supporting us. So with that, let me tell you about John. 
John Golden. He is the Amazon bestselling author of Winning the Battle for Sales, Lessons on Closing Every Deal from the World's Greatest Military Victories, and second book, Social Upheaval, How to Win at Social Selling. These are all things we all need to be working on. He's a global acknowledged sales and marketing thought leader, speaker, and strategist. He is CSMO at Pipeliner CRM. In his spare time, don't mess with him, John is an avid martial artist. So John, and we know your discipline. Excited to have you here today. So tell us, like, take us back. Let's hear a little bit about your backstory first. Like what brought you into this world of sales and selling and entrepreneurship? Uh, well, yeah, it's a kind of long and winding road as the song goes. I think as a lot of people, uh, my career has unfolded in surprising ways. I arrived, I'm originally from Ireland, and I came to the US 22 years ago to Silicon Valley with the small Irish startup company that became a quite a large company was on the NASDAQ. So I was in Silicon Valley during the boom years. And then I got to be there during the crash. And I got to see firsthand what happens when, to be honest, when you don't have a sustainable business model and you don't have a path to profitability, what happens inevitably. And I was really on the product side. But as I moved through my career, I moved more and more to being on the business development, on the sales and marketing side. I worked with some other startups. I then was fortunate enough to actually run some businesses myself as CEO for a global company that had that owned a lot of businesses that was in form of PLC. And one of the companies that it owned was Huthweight Spin Selling. And I became CEO of that company. So I spent uh, six years, I think six, seven years actually, running that company, working with companies large and small across the globe to help their sales team become high-performing teams. And then after that was sold to a private equity group, I decided I went out on my own and I set myself up as a consultancy business focused revenue results. And I started gathering a client base. And one of the clients that I gathered was, you know, Nicholas Kimla at Pipeliner CRM. And after working with him for a time, he persuaded me to come and partner with him and help take Pipeliner CRM forward. And then I wanted to keep the other part going in some form. So we formed Sales Pop, the online sales magazine, to continue to help and educate salespeople. So that's kind of the very condensed version of the road I've taken. And I think it's typical of a lot of people that they almost default into sales and and I would say sales and marketing because I think sometimes, especially as an entrepreneur or, or if you're a small business, those two things you end up doing yourself. I think a lot of people default into those and sometimes it's a scary place to end up. Very scary place at times. So let's talk about that. Go back. So when you first, you know, launched into sales or I'm trying to think, I mean, you have such a different background so when you had your first business, officially it was your business, your name's on the books, mm -hmm. because often that's different than selling for somebody else. Oh, absolutely. Right. So let's talk about that. What were the limiting beliefs that came up for you about having to sell? It's my own business. What was that like? Well, I think one of the hardest things was you, number one, was I was the product, right? Because I was, you know, selling management consultancy and I was taking all the experiences I'd had with all these other businesses. I had packaged them into something that I really felt was powerful and could work. But I guess sometimes the hardest thing, and I'm sure your listeners can relate to this, is you do all of this work, you get all this prep work and you sit down and then you're going, okay, what next? 
Now I have to reach out. I got to find people. So I got to prospect, you know, who loves that? I got to prospect. And then I have to have the confidence that what I am selling really works, right? So in my case, I had to say, you know, the experiences that I have had and the success that I've had doing these things in these businesses can help other people. So I think that's the first limiting belief you have to get over is the confidence that you really do possess the expertise, or if you're selling a product or service, that it really does work and it will really help people. And not to lose confidence the first time somebody may challenge that belief. Because let's face it, just because I tell you, Ursula, and I show you my resume and I say, I've got all of this experience, it's unlikely that you're just going to say, well, sounds good to me. Okay, where do I sign? You're going to challenge me a bit. And I think that's the first part that's really important is to have the confidence to say, okay, that's okay that you challenged me. In fact, it's a good thing because I need to be able to articulate my value proposition better. Yeah, it's so true. And that can be one of the scariest things and we can take it personally versus what you just said. It gives us an opportunity to really be able to articulate what our strengths are and how we can help. So it can be a great gift. So there's that piece of moving through. I want to talk about the imposter syndrome really quickly though, because. And I knew it was you who had brought that up because I'm sorry, I've quoted that recently and I love that phrase, the imposter syndrome. Tell me why you love it. Yeah, we talked about that when I was on your show, which was a lot of fun, by the way, if you guys haven't gone out, go to sales pop. Is it sales pop? Yeah, net. net, That's what it is. So everyone that I interview talks about having imposter syndrome at one time or another. I've had it. I have it. Like I'll walk onto a stage and I'll think to myself, who am I to be paid, you know, five or $10,000 for an hour speaking? Like, who am I? Like, they're going to find out that I'm this farm kid from Minnesota and I don't know anything. Right? <laughs> so how did that resonate with you or what's come up since then about the imposter syndrome? Yeah. So why it resonated with me is, you know, we've all been, as you said, we've all been through that at times when you're sitting there and you're going, oh my goodness, I'm just about to get found out that I don't have what it takes. However, but when you start to dig into your experiences and talk to some, you actually, sometimes you actually amaze yourself. And I mean, it sounds sounds conceited, but it's not meant to be. It's meant to be encouraging to people that when you dig into your experiences, you go, wow, I actually have a wealth of information to offer people. And actually, I take it back to one of the things that really amazed me was back when I was running Hathaway and we were doing spin selling is we would go in sometimes to some of the world's biggest corporations, like well, household names, right? And you would expect, and they had thousands of salespeople across the globe, and you would expect that they would be on a slight, on a higher level of sales skill. And some of the stuff that we taught at the beginning was quite basic. And at the beginning of running the company, I used to get kind of embarrassed going in and I'm thinking, well, they're going to laugh us out of here if we talk about some of the basic things we're going to teach them. And what happened time and again was they'd go, huh, I never thought of that. Yes, That describes us perfectly. And then I realized that people that you have to kind of take away the facade and realize that you make so many assumptions about things and that you really need to discover it. And that was, and coming back to the imposter syndrome, I think sometimes we assume that the person on the other end knows more or they don't need us as much. And sometimes we have to stop focusing on ourselves and focus on what they're looking for and realize that we have something to offer. And since those days, I have helped a number of other people. And it's funny you bring this up, Ursula, like people who have started their own businesses or wanted to branch out on their own. And they all go through that. They go, 
I'm just not sure that I'm not that smart and I don't have, you know, I mean, I have some good ideas. I think I'm good, but I don't know. And we have to get break through that and say, okay, let's really focus on, let's go back through your experiences. Let's focus in on the things that you've done. Let's focus in on your skill sets. Let's look at your body of work. And then once you do that with it, they go, oh, wow, I've actually done more than I think. I actually have more to offer than I think. And I think that helps break through it. So I think you have to do some retrospection to break that imposter syndrome because it's always going to be lurking there. That's so good. And it's so true. I mean, when people read my bio, sometimes that's the reminder that I need. I'm just like, oh, I do have a lot of sales experience. <laughs> like I have helped a lot of people. I was at a baseball game for my son recently and I was talking to a mom and she said, I was just kind of cyber stalking you. And I didn't know you'd written books. And, you just, and she was saying all this stuff. And I thought, who is she talking about? And it's funny how quick we are to forget, especially on the tough days that we do have the experience. And I think the other thing is what comes easy for us is often our superpower. And we think everybody knows how to do it. And it's just not true. And so for our listeners, you know, you already have it. But I think John brings up a great example. So go back to your resume, go back to your bio, go back to your experiences, make a list if you have to, of all of your accomplishments. And I bet you'll be surprised at how amazing you actually are. And I mean, if you need to read it every time before you go into a sales meeting, just to take that confidence with you. Yeah. One thing I did way back when, and it was uh, probably the best $1,500 I think it cost me at the time that I ever spent was I needed to change jobs, right? And as usual, type up resume and everything and you think it's great. And maybe you're not getting the reaction that you you think. And I thought, you know, I'm going to look at help on the resume. And so I reached out to, to this person, I think his name is Marty Weissman in New York or something. But And I decided I'm going to invest this money in my resume. And to your point just a moment ago, through working with him, he just dug in and dug into everything that I'd done and how it had generated revenue and how it had impacted, you know, the businesses or whatever, and came up with this resume that when I read it, I thought, wow, I'd employ me. They are <laughs> yeah. And, but it goes back to that point again, is we're, we forget about these things. And maybe sometimes it would be a good idea, especially if, for small business people or people starting out is have somebody interview you, have somebody just come and spend an hour or two and ask you about everything that you've done and all of your experiences so that you remember them. Mm. So good. I know our listeners are taking lots of notes. Keep writing because there's going to be more good stuff. So John, there was a moment in your business. We all have a moment where it's like we have our best month ever after. So in your consulting business, for example, do you remember a month where it's like there was more than enough money to pay the bills? There was even money to put away. There was even money to pay a coach or something like that. Was there a moment where you just crushed it? And what did you believe about your business and yourself then? Yeah. So I think when you start off a business or you branch out on your own, maybe as a consultant or small or whatever your business is, you think all oh, any business I can grab is good business, right? Anything I can grab. And even sometimes it may be free because you just want, oh, at least I have a client. Okay, they're not paying me anything, but at least I've worked, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. And so you fall into that trap and you start to think, as long as I build it up and maybe I can persuade them to pay me some money because when they see how amazing I I am. Instead, they go, wow, I can't believe this guy's doing it for free, but there you go. And it wasn't until I said, okay, let's stop for a moment. I need to 
given my background and my experience, if I'm going to do management consultant that I need to deal with people who are on the same level, right? So I need to deal with, you know, people who are running businesses who are, who are, you know, at VPC level, those, uh, that's who I need to deal with. And once I started working only with people like that, obviously, they're used to paying the kind of premiums that come with that. So I was able to number one, charge the amount that I felt I was worth because at the beginning, as I went out there, my rates were, you know, some people would pretty much throw up over my rates going, are you kidding me? But when I actually started going after the right target people and working with the right target people, my rates were like, "Eh, okay, that's fine. There you go. And I think that's the difference. I think the difference is you have to know whether it's a product or service, you have to know your right audience and you have to know the right price and you have to stick with that. You have to have the confidence to stick with that. So you have to be able to work through the people who will throw up over you know, what your rate is or what the cost of your product is and say, okay, well, they're not the right people or I haven't articulated the value well enough to them. But target yourself. And that was the difference was really going and targeting myself at the right level of people, because I could bore you with some stories about targeting myself at the wrong level of people and how that was a pretty horrendous experience for everyone concerned. (laughs) I want to dig into that point because it's so important. And, you know, if you're listening right now and this is resonating with you, you got to hear this part. We, most of our clients that come to, through our training have to double, triple, or quadruple their prices if they're in a service-based business or some of our, even product-based, they're priced too low. And so they're wasting so much time spinning their wheels with clients who don't appreciate them, don't pay them what they're worth, maybe don't pay them at all because they never pay. And then when they lock in on this, the right target client, there's this breakthrough because like you're saying, all of a sudden they're not only they pay on time, they don't, price is it's no big deal and they're way easier clients, right? Can you talk a little bit about, I mean, was that your experience? And like once, so the clients who paid you the most were probably the easiest to work with. Well, yeah. And you hit on a really important point here, again, to emphasize for your audience is that the wrong client, and I'm not saying sometimes if your business is aimed at small clients, that's fine. I'm not derogatory to small clients, you know, that could be, but the right kind, but the wrong target client will suck up in the end more time and take more energy. It's a wrong fit. So you're going to spend a lot more time trying to get the square peg into the round hole is when you find the right target customer, you're correct. It turns out they understand what you're offering. They're prepared to pay for it. And they're easy to work with because they already can see the value that you can bring to them and they want it. If you're aiming at the wrong target buyer, number one, you have to really work hard to persuade them that what you have is right for them. And it's not. So there's a, you're already in a, have a problem. And then they're never going to be satisfied anyway. And I, as I said, I had this experience where I went for some business owners, small business owners, I went to, I went to a gathering of them. They brought me in to talk to them. And, and it was about halfway through that meeting that I was talking and I was just realizing what I'm talking about is for much bigger businesses. They're looking at me going, this guy's office is rocker because what he's talking about does not suit what I do. And just that misalignment, it's you've got to get aligned with the right target customer. And then few weeks later, I'm talking to somebody, to some VP level people who have a small capital investment hedge fund in uh, Philadelphia. And they're all, yeah, yeah, this makes total sense. And that's the breakthrough. That's the part that you have to find the right 
audience and target buyer because otherwise you'll spend more time they'll be with the wrong ones they'll be dissatisfied and you won't make the money they either won't pay you because they don't believe it was worth it or as you say you'll be haggling with them for months to try and get payment Yes. Oh my gosh. I've had this experience countless times and especially in the beginning, but even now, you know, you fall into it because you can get, I think as entrepreneurs who care, we can get into the, I want to help someone syndrome (laughs) and not everyone is our client. I'm not everybody's coach. That's a good thing. So how did you bust through that? Or how did you gather up the confidence to just say, this is what I'm worth. This is what I'm charging you know, what would you say to our listeners who are struggling? They probably know like, oh, I'm underpriced right now. I'm working with people who don't appreciate what I have. But how would you help them like bust through that? Yeah, I think one of the things is think about how you can add value even before the sale itself, right? What? How can you differentiate yourself? So I mean, regardless of whatever business you're in, when you have those initial conversations, how can you get the how can you get the other person to think, wow, this person actually has some interesting and valuable things to say? And that's why then whatever your price is won't come as such a surprise to them because they'll go, yes, I can see why they would charge that. Now, I'm not saying that this is an easy thing. It's not an easy thing at all. And in fact, if I put on my pipeliner hat for a moment, one of the things that we also did when I first partnered with um, Nicholas there is we looked at our product and we were bringing lots and lots of features and we had one tier and one price at the time, very good value. And we said, you know something, this product really needs to be, we need to have multiple tiers and some of them need to be more expensive because we're adding all of these features that number one, don't suit small businesses. These are medium, large business features. And so overnight, we switched to tiers and we changed the pricing and the revenue grew and our customer base grew because, again, we were packaging it correctly for the right audience. And I just think that's what you got to do is select the right audience, select the price point that you really believe uh, represents good value, but also your know, good value for your customer, but also good value for you that you're happy with. And then be prepared, if necessary, to go through a tough period while you find that person and stick to your guns. I think belief is a huge part of it too, is if you believe in your product, you believe in your service and you believe in your worth, keep going and you will find the right person eventually. But I'm not going to lie to you. You may have a dip for a while because, and you may have to turn away some people. And that's the hardest part, particularly if you need the money, right? Yeah. But sometimes you have to do that. Yeah, another great point. And we talk about that a lot with our clients that when you, when you make the decision that I'm going to charge X amount and this is my target client, but you're not willing to say no to clients who aren't a good fit, you still have the belief that there's not enough. There's not enough of the clients that you really desire. And I think that's a common limiting belief that if I raise my prices, there's not going to be enough. And yet what we find time and time again is when we up level, we get the ideas, we see the next steps, but you got to say no to those who aren't a good fit. So John, speaking of limiting beliefs, let's go there one more time. Like if we talked about limiting beliefs in sales, but are there any limiting beliefs that you had about yourself or about business in general that could have gotten you stuck even before you got started, but were things that you worked through? Yeah, I think one of the limiting beliefs, and I think this is something that probably will resonate with most people. It's when you want to start something, the idea sounds great. I'm going to start and I'm going to do this myself and everything. And then, you know, that little voice in your head says, well, 
maybe it takes a, a special person to do this. And maybe I'm not that special person because not everybody can do it. Let's face it. If everybody could start a business, everybody would. But do you think, well, a lot of people don't. Why is that? Maybe it's a particular type of person. And I think that's what you have to overcome. And not that it doesn't take a particular type of person to do it. But get over that belief that you can't be that particular type of person if you want it badly enough. And I think, and that's a convoluted way of sort of saying, don't talk yourself out of it. And I think we're really good at that. I think what's it? Psychology Today says 67% of our self-talk on a daily basis is negative. So remember, there's going to be enough negative stuff going on in your head to talk you out of taking a chance. And I think that's the thing is, and I think the other one, and this is really important, and I say this to people all the time is, Nothing is forever, right? In terms of go do it, take a chance, try. If it doesn't work out, so what? It'll still, you'll come out with a wealth of experience that will help you for the next endeavor you do. But go into it. It's not forever. Because I think the other part is, and I'm not sure if we talked about this before, but it's not even the fear of failure that holds people back off. And it's the fear of success. It's like, but what happens if this works? Like, how is this going to change my life completely? Am I prepared? Oh, my goodness. What happens if I suddenly get really busy and people want me? Uh, I'm going to be traveling. I won't be able to do this. I won't be able to do that. And people talk themselves out of it, not from a fear of failure, but they from a fear of success. And then they go, well, maybe I'll just go off and, and do this instead. So I think those are two limiting beliefs. Is number one is don't talk yourself out of it. Yes, it, it does take a particular type of person to do it, but you may be that particular type of person. So don't second guess yourself. And second off is take a chance and remember that nothing is forever. And what's the worst that can happen? Okay, it doesn't work. Maybe you lose some money or whatever, but you'll gain a wealth of experience and you'll learn something about yourself. And don't you think, like, I think you kind of alluded to this, but everything's taking us to the next thing anyway. It has to be. And if you don't follow the desire that's right in front of you, I find that you can't, like in my experience, I'll get depressed. I'll just totally get off track. And if you would have told me this is what I'd be doing when I was in college, I would have laughed you out the door. I paid public speaker. No, I didn't even like public speaking. <laughs> One other thing though, that you talked about the particular type of person. And I wanted to address that because I agree, like you think, oh, this is the entrepreneur. They're all these things, but truly great entrepreneurs are just good at finding the right people to do all the stuff that they're not good at. Don't you agree? Oh, a hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Cause how many things are, I'm not good at that many things. Like if I didn't have the team I had today, like forget about it. And I think that raises a phenomenal point about self-awareness is right and this is i think this is a key to success regardless of whether you're an entrepreneur business person whether you work in a company just in life in general okay and i wish i'd have known this many many years ago but self-awareness is the key is really take some time out to understand who you really are what your strengths really are not the ones that you maybe wish you had or the ones that you try and fool yourself that you have but the ones that you really have and maybe you know and a coach is always a great person it's great if you can uh, go get a coach who can help you understand because once you are self-aware once you understand what you're good at what your strengths are where your strengths are then you can start to surround yourself with complementary people yeah, that's such a good point of knowing who you are so you can fill in the blanks and like do your genius work. You know, in my own business, I love to do, I love to write. I love speaking. I like doing the podcast. I like training. That's about it. 
Don't try to get me into my own infusion soft system. That's a whole other <laughs> All right. So let's well, talk about what's that. No, I just wanted to come back to one thing that you mentioned there is, yes, is my belief is in life is about, you know, you take paths, right? And sometimes paths you think lead to a destination, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes they just lead to the entrance to another path. And I think that's a really important part to remember. I look back over my career and sometimes it's tempting to go, oh, I wish I hadn't done, you know, that was a mistake when I did that. But then I always catch myself and I say, no, no, actually, that wasn't a mistake because I went there, which led me to this place, which led me to the place that I wanted to be. So it's not always, so don't always feel that it's the path that you take is leading to a destination. Sometimes it's just leading you to another path that's eventually going to lead you to a destination. Yeah. And that path might really surprise you. I was just on the phone with my publisher today and I've published nonfiction books for business and I love that, but I'm actually publishing a children's book and my publisher now is breaking into that world. And like, I light up like a Christmas tree when I think about this children's book series I'm going to write, because it's taken all the stuff that I, we work with our clients on and it's putting into children's books so they can get it like when they're you know, between four and eight, like, don't you wish you would have known about all this stuff back then? So I'm, we're putting it into children's books and I'm so excited about that. Would you, would I have thought, oh, I'm going to be a children's book author or something? Absolutely not. Not even on the radar. So I look at all the ways my path has unfolded. So let it be unexpected too. I want to talk about sales, John. I want to know, so you've been in many different businesses, but when you look back at the trajectory of your career and your sales career and your entrepreneurial career, what are the top two strategies, hands down, that you've used to double your sales or really significantly increase your sales? Well, I think the first thing, as I kind of mentioned earlier, is see how you can add value early in the sales process, how you can stand out a little bit, right? How you can bring some information or insight to the person you're selling to. And it doesn't have to be, and it doesn't have to be like breakthrough thinking, right? It can just be something that they maybe haven't thought of or something that you have discovered by working with your other clients that they wouldn't know, but you would know because you have worked with people in the same industry or people facing the same issues and just enlighten them a little bit because I think that's so credentialing early if you can just bring a little bit of enlightenment. And it doesn't matter what your issue is or what you're selling or whatever, just find some insights that you know that they likely wouldn't know themselves and bring it to them and give it to them willingly early in the process. That's the first one. The second one I would just say, and this is a huge one for me, is just be consistent, right? I say this to people all the time that chameleons are wonderful pets, right? I mean, and they're great little uh, reptiles or whatever they are. And I don't know if you've ever seen a chameleon in real life. They're fantastic. You, you put them up against something and they change color and all that. And it's great to watch. In a salesperson, that's horrible. Don't be a chameleon. Be consistent because there's nothing worse than the first impression you have if somebody, when you engage with them in a sales process or whatever, and you're really helpful and you're really engaging and all of this. And then maybe later on when they become a customer and they have a problem or something, you're kind of standoffish, you push them off to your service person, but you're a different person now. And I really think that consistency is like be always be thinking of the customer experience and remember that that's an end to end experience. And it's experience from the first time they discover you, your company, your product, your service, right through their whole experience, the lifetime of them being a customer. And you need to keep that experience consistent. So I would say be absolutely consistent. And if you're having a bad day and a customer calls you up, Put aside your bad day and be as helpful as you can. Because like I said, don't let them have 
a different experience of, of you as the salesperson initially and then later on? Because guess what? They're also going to share that experience with other people. Yeah. And it'll affect whether or not they buy from you again. Good stuff. So adding value, such a great reminder. And I think you brought up some points on how easy it can be. It doesn't have to be life-changing. I mean, just like you said, you go into big companies, you mentioned one thing, they're like, oh, I've never thought about it. And it's really, I've never thought about it that way, right? Like what you bring is different and then be who you are, but be consistent with it. So I want to make sure we have time to hear more from you, John. You are an expert in many things, one of them being personal branding. I'd love to hear two to three strategies that you share with your clients that really help them up level in in business and life. Yeah. So, and I think today everybody talks about branding and, you know, your digital brand and your yeah. online brand. And, and I think, well, it's actually more than that. I'm sure, yes, you should have a really good online persona, but number one, make sure it's true. There's enough fake news out there. We, you don't need to be faking your persona, like be real. Yeah, make sure your LinkedIn profile is accurate and real and make sure it's engaging and be proud of, of who you are. So, And then search online about yourself and make sure whatever shows up online, that that's what you want uh, the world to see about yourself, right? So, so look after your online persona. And then I think the next thing, and here's a e quick and easy way of differentiating yourself today is... When you reach out and communicate, whether it's voicemail or email or whatever, be a little bit more formal and be a little bit more polite. Because we live in this casual culture today where people think that it's okay to go, hey, Ursula, you know, checking out your LinkedIn. And I thought, wow, yeah, I could be really helpful to you. And you're like, I've never heard of you before. Like, why are you addressing me like I'm your long lost best friend. And I just think that this is because I think this casual culture, we that you can really stand out if you are a little bit more polite and formal and you earn the right to be more familiar with someone. And I think that will also brand you because unfortunately, that will make you stand out today, uh, the way you approach communications. And the other part is, if you're going to be selling into a particular industry or to a particular business, you just really understand business, understand the business of business and the business of your buyer. Uh, don't get so caught up in your own product. So go and read up on it. And again, that will brand you. It'll brand you as somebody who actually understands business and tries to understand the business of your buyer. So those are some of the things that I think are really critical is make sure your online brand is what you want it to be. Keep it authentic, keep it honest, then be more thoughtful in how you communicate with people and be a little bit more polite, a little bit more formal. And because it'll really, because nobody will ever ding you for being too polite, but they certainly will ding you for being too familiar or being too cheesy or whatever. So don't fall into those traps and then really work on being able to show that you understand business and the business of business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are great points. And that the online piece is really interesting because when we teach like scripting in class, a lot of times our clients will use the phone script, but they'll turn it into an email. And it's very formal. And some people will say it's so formal, you know, when we ask for the appointment, they'll say it's too formal. And I'll say just, we've been doing this a long time. Just try it this way, right? Just try it this way, see if it works. But I'm a big believer either even taking like what I would say in an email in a very professional way and using that in Facebook messaging. So I tell my clients, don't feel like you have to, just because it's Facebook, you don't have to be as formal. In fact, I think you'll stand out. It might be a tiny bit more conversational, but it's still, you want it to look, I'm so glad you said that you want it to be professional. I used to, and I don't do this as much as I used to, and now you're reminding me to get back to it. But when I first started my business, I would send typed letters, not just, you know, 
handwritten notes are nice as well, but I would send like a professional type letter. And I went to a client meeting one time and he had it tacked on his board. And he said, this was the most professional letter I've ever gotten. And he had it like tacked up there and I got business because of it. So it's a great reminder. And those things that I feel like are a lost art, by bringing them back, you can really, oh, really stand out. I really think so. Cause it just drives me crazy. The kind of emails that I get into my inbox of people, as I say, being over familiar, being, it's like, hey, John, smiley face. How are you doing today? Saw your, yeah, I think I can help you do this. And it's just, and I'm just like so switched off at that point that I want to deal with somebody serious. I'm sorry, I want to deal with somebody serious and somebody who's professional. And and as my mother always said, hey is for horses anyway. Well, great point too, though. Like, even if you have someone doing the writing for you, like I think a lot of us get help writing copy, make sure you go back and make sure the copy sounds like you. If you wouldn't say, hey, smiley face, John, make sure it's not in your copy. Because I see that a lot where people just use formula and I'm like, that doesn't even sound like you. Go back and make it sound like who you are. Awesome. Well, we covered a lot of ground in almost 40 minutes. I want to make sure you have time to tell us more about um, salespop.net and also Sales Pipeliner. Where can we get more information? How can we connect with you? Tell us more. Yeah. So salespop.net is the online multimedia sales leadership motivational magazine with lots of content. You'll find Ursula there, who we did a great interview with uh, recently and thought leaders from across the globe, from across a a spectrum of subject areas, blog posts daily, new videos, interviews daily. Also on iTunes, we have over 100 episodes on iTunes as well and growing. So that's salespop.net. Then pipelinersales.com is where you will find Pipeliner CRM. And I would invite your listeners to go there and take a free 14-day trial and see how CRM, how you can love a CRM, right? There is a, a something that sounds like a contradiction in terms to most of your listeners, but we have built the most visual, interactive, intuitive CRM because we built it for end users. And we know that imagery and visuals like really captivate people and make it easier to use. So we spent many, many years building this product to make it as intuitive and easy to use. So I would encourage you, pipelinersales.com. Just click on take a free trial, take a 14-day free trial, and uh, you'll see a CRM that can really help you and your business grow. A lot of our clients are looking for CRM. So this is a great, great opportunity for our listeners. John, how, like, is there a specific industry? Is there, is it for, who is this Pipeliner Sales CRM really, really great for? Well, we're cross industry and we have three tiers. As I mentioned earlier, we have a starter business and enterprise. So you can find the tier that best suits you and your business because we work with small, medium and large businesses. So it really is applicable to everybody. We have people from across the globe, from cross industries, companies of all sizes. So again, as I said, we have a tier to suit your business. So just go go check it out. And as I said, take free 14 day trial, no credit card required during the trial so you can just feel free just put in uh, just go sign up pipelinersales.com okay great so go to pipelinersales.com check it out for free especially if you don't have a crm like just go make it happen right like even if you some of you work for companies who don't have crms or you're using outlook as your crm so stop doing that go check this out (laughs) if you're in your own business you need this i mean if you've been to sales camp you know we talk about the importance of tracking your pipeline and following up right you can't do it without a good crm and then you know to get to that 
to get stay inspired, go to salespop.net. I had an awesome interview with John. John's great at interviewing. And there's just so much inspiration. And if you're like me, you need that ongoing inspiration just to stay focused. So John, thank you for being you. Thank you for all you're doing. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us here today. <laughs> Thanks, Ursula. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, again, yes, I would agree. Go check out the interview I did with Ursula. She's also awesome. Thank you. So much fun. Well, that was awesome. I want to thank all of you for tuning in today for listening. I'd love to partner with you on your next event, conference, or sales training session. So you can go to my speaker website, which is Ursula Minches, and I'll spell that for you. U-R-S-U-L-A-M-E-N-T-J-E-S.com. You can see all of the latest keynotes there. And if you haven't been to Sales Camp yet, go to salescoachnow.com, click on the Sales Camp icon, learn about us. We are we offer classes in both San Diego and the Minneapolis area now, but we also do private sales camps across the country for sales teams. So if we can help you in any way, reach out to me at Ursula Mencius, or excuse me, Ursula at salescoachnow.com. Or if it's easier to spell, you can go to contact or just email me at contact at salescoachnow.com. We'd love to help you out. We want to thank you all. If you haven't gotten the gift yet, my team's always like, remind them to get the gift, get the gift, salescoachnow.com forward slash gift. Oh, and I forgot to mention, I am actively on Instagram as well as Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Make sure we get connected there so we can support you as well. I want to thank you all for being awesome listeners and make this your most epic month yet. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Double Your Sales Now. To get even more information to take your sales to the next level, visit us at salescoachnow.com. That's salescoachnow.com. Join us again next week to learn how to double your sales now.